Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. My guest today is Vasudev Murthy and today we are going to be talking about his current book, Yoga Sutra Simplified. Vasudev ji, welcome to the Charvak Podcast. Thank you so much Kushal. Such a pleasure to be here. Honor as Sir, uh, let's start like this, Vasuji. So we will first uh, talk a little bit about you because this is not your first book. You've written a lot of books. So, so in case people are wondering, bhai jake, Amazon pe bhi jake, inka pura profile aap dekh sakte ho. But as this is your first time on the podcast, I'll request uh, you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, and 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 then we can get into the book. Sure, sure. So thanks a lot. So well, you got you have my name there, and I live in Bangalore. And as a day job, I'm a management consultant. Uh, I, I'm a professor at a couple of uh, management institutes as well. Uh, I have a lot of interests. I have an interest in, of course, yoga. Uh, I'm a violinist, average. And uh, I have interest in animal welfare and, and a number of different things. So I, I'm a very busy kind of a guy. I keep myself uh, quite busy. Um, yes, this is, in fact, my eighth book. Uh, my first book was on classical music. The second one was about proposal writing. The third one was a collection of short stories. The fourth one was Sherlock Holmes in Japan. The fifth was, again, organizational theory. Uh, the sixth was uh, Sherlock Holmes in Timbuktu, which was a very, very deep, deep, deep project. Then the, the, the seventh one was uh, was a satire in the world of publishing called the Ramgarh Literary Festival, where I basically was uh, quite um, <laughs> critical about the entire publishing industry and so on. And then this is, uh, you know, my book. Of course, it's taken, 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 taken several years, and uh, so that's it. That's me. That's me in summary. I hope that helps. So your journey as an author itself is, you know, going from okay. I understand the connection between maybe your interest in classical music and yoga sutra. So वहाँ पे मैं connection draw कर पाया. But ये बीच में आपने ऐसे ऐसे U-turn लिया है, right गयो, left गयो, फिर वापस आ गयो, फिर वापस इधर आयो. But when when look you you've and kudos to you. I, I want to actually appreciate this. I told you off offline also. But you know, you are one of those rare authors that added the entire Yoga Sutras in the appendix. I mean, these are very few people. But it seems that many people think, yes, it's all about me. I read Yoga Sutra, I'm everything. But you actually uh, added the entire Yoga Sutras in your book too. And, and, and I really want to appreciate that. But you know, as someone who has read the Yoga Sutras at a personal level, first of all, I thoroughly enjoyed reading you. your, you know, the your, your version of the Yoga Sutras from your eyes is because this is this is uh, uh, the greatness of I guess Hinduism is when when you know कोई और पढ़ता है और और जब किसी और और की आँखों से जब आपको देखने को मिलता है, so I enjoyed. But how 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 tough was your journey of uh, you know jumping deep into the Yoga Sutras and and then you know extracting the views of Marshi Patanjali and then uh, uh, simplifying it and uh, making a book out of it. So uh, the, I'll answer the last part first. The word simplification, you know, gives a, gives a certain connotation that you've reduced it to almost irrelevance. That's not true at all. To make things simple is very difficult, right? Uh, now, as far as the, the journey of how it happened, uh, I, in my circle of friends and acquaintances, it is generally known that I'm quite, uh, you know, uh, excited about about yoga generally, and of course asanas in particular, uh, right? So uh, and since I've written a book, and you know the publisher had uh, himself reached out to me and said, "Would you consider doing such a book?" And uh, the way I looked at it is, these kinds of things don't happen by accident. Luckily, I had the sense to realize that rather than saying no, I can't do it, I better examine it and and and, and uh, you know make a make a shrewd, shrewd decision about it. 
So I, I took the challenge, I accepted it. Uh, we had a couple of false starts in the way we were thinking about it. You know, how do you simplify such a such a wonderful, wonderful, uh, uh, you know, piece of piece of uh, of philosophy? Am I really capable of it? I have to I have to tell you this. You know, it's not that I just looked at it and said I can do it. There are some wonderful, deep, complex theories out there which require a lot of thought, a day or two. Then you try to write about it. Then you see what some other perhaps more gifted individuals, uh, Swami Vivekananda, B.K. Sangar, Edward Brandt. I mean, these are great scholars. What have they written about it? And sometimes you see contradictions, right? So then you have to have your own journey. And as I said, simplification is not easy. Now, what I did, of course, was to use, uh, you know, modern, let's say, contemporary kind of things like WhatsApp, email, just to just to illustrate illustrate the uh, concept. And also, uh, as far as appendix is concerned that you have referred to, uh, I would like to say that, generally speaking, our very wonderful wisdom tends to come packaged. I'm saying tends to. This is just a, a word. Uh, in the sense of not being appreciative enough of readers changing tastes or the way people consume information. Uh, you know, attention spans are very low. And anything they find while reading something which stops them from going further, they will close the book and put it on the shelf. So the whole thing was planned in such a way that the, the Devnagri and Sanskrit was pushed at the end so that it wasn't a showstopper. We collected 15 or 20 sutras, which were approximately around the central couple of themes and then organized it into eight chapters. So this was the way it was running. Now, uh, let's let's talk a little bit on, on this uh, short attention span. So I, I, yeah. I, I'll tell you something. Even when we talk about YouTube, right? So uh, uh, this podcast is video and audio. So it's not like Sirif audio version. Spotify or iTunes. They're also going, they're going to be a significant chunk of people who will watch the video version of it. Now, mm. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that attention spans are a huge issue because this is directly something related to the Yoga Sutras itself. So let's focus a little bit on this. Now. Sure. So we are living in the world where attention spans go on reducing, go on reducing till the extent of Hal Vasudevji, ki mujhe YouTube tak bolta hai, bhai, tum shorts YouTube <laughs> Full disclosure, okay. I get more. So till now, I am my 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 long form is winning and short form is is second. But the point is that abhi har jagah yehi hota hai. This, this uh, I should I call it this TikTokification of humanity? Where kya ho raha hai? Ki ye samajh lo, apka phone hai. Aapne se bas tak 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 tak. Ek minute dekha, tak kia. So how? Let's say if somebody today, like, let's say we have the time machine and Maharishi Patanjali, jinki date ke baare mein hum baad mein baat karenge, magar pehle, agar Maharishi Patanjali ko somebody would have gotten him today and they would have shown him TikTok, how would he have reacted? Well, you know, to, to be honest, he was, he was an intelligent guy and he would have adapted in my opinion, because you see his communication style, now I, I study, I also teach communication. There are all these fantastic communication models generally, uh, you know, imported from the West, to be perfectly honest, right? Some professor in some place in some university said this, so we But there is some wisdom there. The same wisdom applies in the way he has thought about how will this book of yoga be understood by people? So if you look at it, 
right? He starts with the end goal first. He talks about this is Samadhi. Now he's got your attention. He knows that, okay, now he's got you. They said, okay, now how do you get to the Samadhi? You start with the Sadhana, which is those Sati. I said, wow, it's a fantastic. Is, are there going to be any challenges? That's the third part. So he has already understood what the what the you know reader is going to be. So yes, if he was here and watching TikTok, he would have found a very clever way in which he could have probably uh, you know given one 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 sutra per TikTok or something like that. You know who knows? It could have it could have been like that. I mean, he was much smarter than I am, I'm for sure. So I think he would have adapted. He wouldn't have been offended or anything like that. He said, "Oh, this is the way humanity is. I need to deal with it." <laughs> yeah, I I hope he would have because uh, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Someone like me, I find like uh, I I don't know, I I I get the value of people as like you know I guess the reason short videos work a lot is people cannot gather a lot of information in a go. What happens is people remember bullet points. So if that is the case, if people remember bullet points, so let's say it's just a hypothetical, right? Um, if I was to create uh, a, a a fifty second video on the yama and niyama just just oh. mentioning what the yamas were and what the niyamas were what they are in detail well uske liye 1.5 ghante ka video sunno but yeah. these were the yamas and these were the niyamas and people can remember the yamas and niyamas but now i want to ask you this question one of a lot of people don't realize this that there is a lot of debate and very serious discussion around a the date of marshi patanjali and b around the authorship of the yoga sutras itself that uh, maybe it is not just one patanjali there are multiple patanjalis involved so can maybe. you maybe tell all of us a little bit about and, and this one matlab yahan pe detail chahiye thodi yahan pe humko koi shots ki zarurat nahi hai correct, so, correct. so what is the story uh, behind the the date itself of uh, like where where do we place marshi patanjali and where and how many uh, and how do we know which edition like in mahabharata as i was telling you offline you know there is eventually we came up with the critical edition we came up with the critical edition mm -hmm. in ramayana too so so i guess eventually we are going to do that with the yoga sutras too well it shouldn't happen but i see your point now as to whether there was one patanjali or more than one patanjali i don't think anyone can actually answer that hopefully there was only one but i suspect there were at least one more who had a similar name you said 2500 years old some say 3000 some say 4000 really do we know some say he was born in punjab some say he was born in gonda yesterday i read an article somebody said he was he fell down from the heavens and he was he was found in chidambaram so actually by the way this this particular point kushal is a very beautiful point according to me which shows the vastness and 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 the way india is integrated that the same stories go across massive geographical you know stretches and still the patanjali was known in 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 punjab he was known in up he was known everywhere else how come so i think the answer we don't know was he was there one or more whoever it was whoever put it all together did a great great service normally what what they do is they will put together various kinds of philosophies they'll add their own masala perhaps sometimes the general theory is that at, at those times people had to resort to these short uh, you know aphorisms sutras so that people would remember now you can you can keep on having the oral tradition generation after generation after generation sooner or later it's going to get distorted and that the critical edition set will will sooner it will it will come there will be some contradiction something that doesn't make sense we have seen that a lot of musical compositions by the way the similar kind of thing there's a there's an original composition over time somebody inserts their own little name over there and makes it uh, you know appropriate appropriate 
right? So I, I don't know. So uh, according to the most beautiful legend that we have, we we believe that uh, you know the, uh, a baby snake fell into the hands of of, of Godika, who was a, a yogini, who was praying for a son because she was soon she knew she was going to die, and Vishnu dropped down uh, you know the snake there, and therefore in in the contemporary lore that we have seen, we see him as half snake, half uh, half human. And in, in Chidambaram, in, in, uh, if you've been there, I don't know if you've been there, but there is a lot of uh, mythology concern, concerned with Nataraja, uh, who's at the back here. So this, this massive confusion about his identity, whether there was one, there was more, and then they also say he was, he wrote the Nataraja Stotras, he was also involved in Ayurveda, he was also in Sanskrit. It seems a lot for one person. So maybe there was more than one. But somehow I think our, our uh, you know, our sense of, uh, it is a very beautiful thought that one person was capable of so much. I'm happy not having a definitive answer. It's okay. Okay, fine. It doesn't matter whether you're for, for Punjab or here. It's okay. There was this great intellectual who created one of the greatest cultural, uh, you know, uh, artifacts of, of Indian thought and has gifted it to the world. I'm fine with that. So, so could it also be a scenario where, yes, originally there could have been one Maharishi Patanjali who started uh, working on the Yoga Sutras, developed a lot of things. But over a period of time, as it comes in modern day ling lingo, we would say it becomes a brand. brand. And then uh, a lot of uh, value is associated with the brand Patanjali himself, itself. And, and then the brand Patanjali goes through the natural process of growth. And in that natural process of brand Patanjali, you know, you have offshoots coming from here, from there, yeah. from point A, from point B, from point C. And then that brand Patanjali starts to branch across the landscape of India. And then everything that is done under by what would be called in today's world, teaching assistants or research assistants are also kind of uh, part and subsumed in brand Patanjali then? I, unfortunately, I think that's, that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, you know, most people who, who read this book actually associated with the other Patanjali, who you know, you know what I'm talking about. So they don't know. Many people don't know that Patanjali, who Patanjali was. They assume it's a brand of, of you know, a certain popular set of things. So I'm, unfortunately, I think that is that is a risk that's, that that is going to happen. It need not be a bad thing. I mean, if even if you look at we, we were discussing earlier how yoga is considered by 99% of people to be the asanas part, right? And even if it is so, it's okay. It's okay. From there starts the journey. So if if you have heard the name Patanjali for the first time in a completely non-Patanjali context, it's all right. It is the first time and over a period of time, you will head, head in the right direction. It's quite okay. I mean, it's taken me a, literally a lifetime to fully, you know, to come to this stage. I mean, I'm 59 now. I'm, I'm reading this stuff. And this is, you know, why didn't I read it when I was 30 or 20? Well, that's that's my that's my lifetime. You know, that's, that's the journey. And some others we read it in the 70s and 80s. That's just the way it is. So I don't uh, think it's, we, should, we should feel too bad about that. It's okay. All right. Now, now let's get into the the biggest question that has occupied, uh, you know, social media fights, uh, serious uh, serious discussions all over the place. So nowadays, mm -hmm. like you said, yoga has been reduced to nothing but I, I forget using the word asanas also to physical exercise. Like and and I guess in the marketplace of uh, yoga, now you have goat yoga, you have beer yoga. मैंने तो क्रिश्चियन योग भी देख लिया अमेरिका में मतलब वो मुझे समझ में नहीं पड़ा क्या था मगर वो भी है 
वो भी The other way of looking at it is, you know, well, this is like, you know, a bait and switch, right? Uh, marketing campaign kind of a thing, right? You you pull the people, pull and push strategy. Hoti hai na. So one is one is pull and one is push. So here you are pulling people through through the physical exercise bit, and then you can maybe take them to the mm-hmm. higher level. So there are differences in that. So wh- where do you stand in this entire you know yoga thing? Before we get into what the what Patanjali meant by asanas and what what are the stages in that too, but first let's talk about this. What do you make of this entire pop cultureification of yoga? Okay, so you actually answered the question a little earlier, the bait and switch point, right? Frankly, we have to do whatever it takes at a time when our radar is constantly being bombarded with so many impulses. So whatever we have to do to get the get people attracted to this, I'm afraid we have to. We can talk all we want about. Let's be conservative. Let's stick to the two book. But along the way, this is this is going to happen. Let me give you an analogy from a completely different area, right? Uh, so people people come to know that I play the violin. Okay, I'm I'm okay. I play the violin. So what do they do? They say, "Can you play that song, that picture's song?" Okay. Now that picture's song is, in a sense, a bait kind of a situation. So I I say, "Okay, fine, I'll play." I'm not going to say, "Nahi, nahi." I'm only Dhrupad ka, you know, ek ek raag marwa gaunga, bas ab bajaunga. I'm not going to play anything else. That would be a very a very uh, arrogant way of looking at it. After all, someone's showing some basic interest. Why don't we uh, be decent enough and try to at least address some of those things? in the hope that over a period of time they will show some interest in the violin and then come to me and so on so i think that has worked for quite quite a number of of, of reasons and i'm okay with it you know for some of someone to solitarily play a lap for 2 hours 3 hours how is it going to work is nobody is going to be interested except me so one does have to make these compromises yes i agree pop culture is distasteful it doesn't sound right but i also hope that out of 10 people who go for this you know beer yoga goat yoga etc a couple of people will say you know there's something wrong here and then they'll they'll be willing to go delve deeper into it at least the first small steps have been taken i don't think we should we should pull them down at least you know there's there are all kinds of strange yogas yes are you right theek hai koi baat nahi out of that there'll be a filtration system sooner or later they will come to that right part which appeals to conservatives it may take time but it it will happen but then uh do you think it is very important when you are uh, i i'll give you my personal view Please. even if somebody ends up doing beer yoga i honestly don't have a problem with it just full mm. disclosure mm. but nowadays there is this subtle attempt to delink yoga yes from hindu culture let's let's yes. let's let's It's take true. this head on let's take yeah. this head on yoga yeah. is hindu agar mm. kisi ko problem hai to wo apne ghar pe baith jaye Sure. it is as hindu as it gets it is part of our hindu culture ye hamari hindu dharohar hai aur aapko usme se usko sirf physical exercise karni hai to koi problem nahi hai magar main aapko mera experience batata hu i would go to america 
मैं अमेरिका में देखता हूँ लोगों का यह हमेशा है ना हमारे कल्चर के साथ होता है फॉर एग्जाम्पल मैं आपको जस्ट उदाहरण के तौर पे दे रहा हूँ राजीव मल्होत्रा जी हुटन मल्टीपल बुक्स अबाउट दिस और इसका मैं एक उदाहरण देता हूँ योग निद्रा के ऊपर ठीक है योग निद्रा का जो लूसिड ड्रीमिंग बन गया है आजकल ठीक है सो लूसिड ड्रीमिंग है योग निद्रा इज लूसिड तो जो रोगन विच इज द लार्जेस्ट पॉडकास्ट इन द वर्ल्ड उसमें एक स्पेसिफिक एपिसोड था फॉगॉट इन द पर्सन आई एम नॉट ट्राइंग टू पुट दैट पर्सन डाउन दैट पर्सन एक्चुअली इवन मैं योग निद्रा एज अ वर्ड ठीक है बट वट ही सेट दैट इफ आई कॉल इट योग निद्रा ना पीपल थिंक इट इज सम एंशियंट भुगा भुगा एंड दे डोंट टेक इट सीरियसली सो कैन यू डू समथिंग अबाउट इट एंड चेंज द वर्ड सो आई स्टार्टेड कॉलिंग इट ये lucid dreaming and stuff like that now mm. how do you think um we deal with this subject like we uh, like how do we tell people that boss yoga is hindu but you are welcome to do it in a nice but firm way well it it is clearly that no it's very sad that we been forced to actually with our backs to the wall literally having to be say this but it's it's unfortunately this brand association everybody wants to associate with the ayurveda team because nowhere in patanjali's yoga sutra is is the religious connotation specifically mentioned but we know intrinsically it is it is very much part of what the hindu ethos is nothing to feel shy about it but unfortunately i think when we go to the us other places almost we are defensive because we want to appear so flexible and so sweet and so wonderful that we try to accommodate every single point of view to the extent that we prepared to compromise to the very last detail so what do we do well well we probably have to indeed you know write write books like this to 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 make it appear and and if you have noticed in my book and so i didn't mean to bring attention back to my book but in my book i have not tried to do it i have tried my best to use the original sanskrit sanskrit word which actually stand out the context is clear the enunciation of those words is very 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 beautiful now if you have decided to to compromise and go ahead you know that is somebody else's problem i wouldn't do that i would go if they say it's hindu to say om i said yes it is so what should i do about it i i would be uh, you know assertive polite i don't think that you need to offend anyone in the process because ultimately this is a great gift to humanity so i'm somewhere in the middle somewhere you know if if you need a little bit of a nudge a little twist of a word here and there is fine but to completely delink it is really wrong it's is blasphemy of a, of a certain type it's really wrong आप कर रहे हो अभी देखो ना मैं और आप भी तो शर्ट पहन के ये ये कोई हमारे कपड़े तो है नहीं ये तो वेस्ट के कपड़े हैं हम हम भी तो उनके कल्चर को अप्रोप्रिएट कर रहे हैं मगर हमने ये कभी नहीं बोला ना कि शर्ट इज नॉट वेस्टर्न वो इट इज क्वाइट अंडरस्टूड इट इज वेस्टर्न सो वैसे योगा इज हिंदू वेदर यू लाइक इट और नॉट इट इज हिंदू एंड इट विल ऑलवेज रिमेन हिंदू नाउ लेट इज गोइंग टू द आसना सो वॉट अकॉर्डिंग टू मार्शी पतंजलि इज द रोल ऑफ आसनाज इन आर लाइफ नाउ नाउ लेट इज टॉक अबाउट दैट well in order to do that there is unfortunately a little bit of uh, context to set i don't think it's not in time you are aware and or if perhaps people listening in are not aware that there are supposed to be these eight very brilliantly defined steps which is what the ashtang art angude okay 
So he goes as an outside in approach into understanding what's happening inside into the state of Samadhi, which was which is described in the first uh, 51 sutras of the 196 compendium. That is Samadhi. Now he gets to the Sadhana Pada, which is the next 55 or 56 um, uh, sutras. So to come to asanas, the, 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 the highway to the asanas, so to say, or uh, is the first start is what he calls Yama, which is the external observances or the way in which you should deal with society or, or, or you know, uh, the outside world, people, as, as, of which the principal thing starts with Ahimsa. You have to talk about it. You can't walk away from that. Not in the Gandhi sense of Ahimsa. I think you know what I'm talking about. But there is a greater point over there, which is a thought and deed and so on and so forth. It is no way saying be cowardly and just, you know, just vanish. It's not at all that. It's about being pure and good with good intent. So there's this whole thing of social intent or external intent. Then it is about how you train your mind, which is Niyama, about not wanting something, believing in, in, in minimalism, okay, and, and, and welcoming austerity. So these are again ways in which you're mellowing your outlook towards the towards life, mellowing your own mind and getting it ready for this for this whole world of asanas, which is so fascinating and so interesting. So the role of asanas, again, is preparatory. Everything is going to, is converging to a final point somewhere, which I'll come to. So this is step by step, outside. First outside, then in your mind, then your body. Get your body ready because there are certain things that are going to happen a little later. And if you don't do this stuff, you can't you can't be ready for it. Okay, that, that's what the intent of asanas is. And he, there are a couple of this, this Thirasukha asana. In fact, the asana part is only mentioned in one or two sutras of the entire 196. The whole extraction happened, I think, in, in by, by other other scholars scholars later. There is one thing, something called Pradeepika. I, I can't remember the whole thing, but that talks about all the different kinds of asanas in greater detail. But Patanjali only refers to that in passing that get your body ready for greater spells of endurance. Specifically, you will be meditating for long hours. If your back is weak, if you are you know you're not able to sit for, then how are you going to be meditating? He talks about that also in about the 33rd or 31st Sutra. He talks about all the kinds of things that will pull you away, that will distract you from the part, path of meditation, right? Like illness, fidget, fidget, you know, fidgeting all the time, so on and so forth. So the role of asanas, as far as I'm concerned, to my limited whatever understanding, is that it is to help us build the kind of physical infrastructure required to take us through long periods of contemplation and meditation which are the next which are coming down the down the highway towards samadhi because the next thing after he's talked about is managing your breath breathing okay how do you inhale exhale how do you take care of it etc now you know you'll find a lot of people if you ask them and you, you ask them innocently okay as though it's a it's a thing it's a nice thing they're doing but honestly without some attention to the preceding step though that is a statement which is is not strong enough if you get my meaning right it, it's, it's okay good you're doing it good but how about the other parts have you thought about those parts as well so that is the fourth thing then we come to the ability to master your emotions as uh, sorry, your senses which means not responding when you you know you have some uh, some choles happening over there or some biryani is happening there you know you make sure that you're not swayed in the direction easy to say it is really difficult so only a mastermind, a great intellectual like him would have thought about all this. So asana is along this way and we are still talking about the so-called physical angle of it, uh, you know, social discourse, intellectual, you know, strength, 
physical body, then breath, and then ability to master senses. And then we start the process of meditation. So that is, is the actual story. If I would have read very clear, but I was trying to explain. Asanas, the role of asanas is preparing yourself for long extended periods of meditation. Now, when you do these asanas, actually many of these things which come later start coming in. For example, balancing asanas, whether you're standing on your head or standing on one foot, it is not easy if your mind is going here and there. So if you really are striving for to stand on one leg, Vrikshasana, your mind had better, you better train your mind to be at ease, right? So these are all interlinked in a very beautiful way. And basically then it becomes a state of meditation itself to concentrate on one point and to balance yourself. That's that's what I'd like to say, Tushan. No, uh, but uh, this, this interconnection between the physical journey and the mental journey, uh, can you can you maybe explain that a little bit? Like where where does Marshi Patanjali uh, say that? Uh, is there a specific point where uh, the physical and the mental are separate in that sense, or it it is just an interconnected journey throughout from point A to point B? You no, know, it is from first to the last moment, or or are there different stages too in in that sense where we can actually classify them or? block well, them into well, stages, well, the, step two, step three. If, if, if just because I said interchange, inter, interlink doesn't mean that they're not separate. In fact, they're separate. There's something called a Bahiranga and there's a called an Antaranga. Okay. So that is the separation. There actually is a clear boundary which says Bahiranga, the external you know, state of managing your senses, etc. It's very clearly defined. So until you master those, it is highly unlikely that your, your, your abilities to do meditative inquiry will be very successful. Right now, having said that, now you revisit that. You revisit your asanas, revisit the, your outlook towards life. The fact that you've been able to teach your meditation gives you that sense of dispassion, the way that this is all temporary, etc. And you will, it will feed back into it in a nice loop. Okay, there's nothing wrong with wrong with it, but there is indeed a clear boundary between the Bahiranga side and the Antaranga side. That there is there is that very well defined. That's what I'm saying. You know, this gentleman has so beautifully demarcated and, and from a communication point of view, the structuring of yoga, the structuring of this eight in very precise terms. So you can concentrate on certain things for a long period of time and say, okay, I've reached some level of appreciation and, 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 and you know, I've learned a little bit, let me try something else. And then of course, at one particular time, all five or six of them or eight of them will have to be done in, in conjunction. I think that's going to happen. Yeah, and you know what is fascinating in the Yoga Sutras? I remember they talk about, talk about right knowledge, wrong mm. knowledge. Mm. It's like both. So, uh, you know, and, and then I remember it is like right knowledge is uh, inference, tradition, and uh, if I yeah. remember cognition, right? Yes, uh, that's right, right knowledge. And mm. then wrong knowledge is false, illusory, uh, wrong beliefs, uh, stuff like that. And, and, uh, but the one line that always stuck with me when it came to the Yoga Sutras, I remember, I, I still remember is what is memory? Mm-hmm. What is memory? It, 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 you know, like somebody might say, yeah, memory is what? But memory to, to, for Patanjali was, I clearly remember this is like impressions. Memory is impressions and, and, you know, these themes of thought are how and streams of thought and how they create these impressions and how to control them through non-attachment. Now that that sounds like such a simple thing, but it's such a profound thing. And that man it's, has said it's, in two lines. 
it it is really mind boggling and you know for for someone to say it in one or two lines and then for us to sit and debate for hours together it's very yeah. very difficult it is it is it's really incredible. but you're right he talks about those five types of things that happen to you which constantly modify you i i see this as a quivering piece of jelly your mind emitting gases constantly in a state of flux i think you know what i'm talking about imagine the effort required to actually bring it down to a state of of rest i mean that's really difficult we're talking about those five things then we talk about other things samskaras karma there's so many things happening but ultimately there is hope he says if you understand those eight steps you know maybe you'll get there if not now agle janam mein you don't know so okay so for the benefit of the viewers can can we now tell everybody what are the yamas and niyamas then in in detail sure, sure. yeah if you wish yeah sure i'll, I'll just read it out because it's better so i sure. don't, don't miss it, miss it anything like sure. i said right the first is clearly ahimsa okay okay <coughs> uh which is of course loosely translated as non violence but it's thought indeed etc etc then uh, then uh, to truth to, to speak the truth but there is an interesting thing i'm going to be i'll talk about at the very end is true and of course not stealing not possessing not wanting something else and not taking it from somewhere else etc etc and the third part of it is not coveting not even wanting to okay and finally the thing about celibacy okay which is which is supposed to be a, a you know if you if you break it then essentially it's a whole lot of energy to be to be brought back again now in this whole stream the whole thing of non violence and truth it's not that nobody else has said it before everybody has said it before but this is a way in my opinion in which he's trying to train the mind for further things down downstream it's an upstream activity so to say downstream thing will be better now the question here is uh, which i which i have talked also a little bit about given non violence versus truth what should prevail you know for example if somebody if you have to protect the life of someone whose life is in danger should you should yes if somebody asks you where is this guy because the intent was to kill that guy then you say yes he went that way because you know you were you're so truthful you know i think he mentioned clearly along the way that ahimsa is the first first thing to be thought about and actually predominates and this is not not only to our our thing this is you will see in jains and everything else is nothing new that we're talking about over here so these are the the five external facing disciplines that you have to but if you look at all five of them i can bet almost all of us 99% have not been successful whether it's non violence whether it's the truth i mean somebody said we speak a lie every one and a half two minutes whether we do it or not you know so imagine the if a discipline required to constantly speak the truth but yet this is this is the axiom okay not stealing now not stealing could be so many things and i certainly have in my youth i certainly done these things i don't deny i'm sure it as well okay not coveting now that's very difficult at a time when digital stuff is saying buy this buy this do this showing this car you know showing that stuff we all want it amazon is sending me stuff all the time buy this buy this buy this and you know you start wanting here's my phone i want a better phone so these are all these these may be single words but the difficulty in getting to act on it is is pretty profound is very very profound now if you are successful here i think the success moves further down into the next steps as well right somehow along the way you know if you if you recall in in the in the description the first uh, thing uh, uh, samadhi pada he describes an ideal person called ishwara ideal in all possible ways do you remember that there was a there's a there's a there's a sutra there 
yes yes he he is you know he had complete knowledge he's the greatest of gurus he cannot die he cannot etc etc so all of these things are pulling us away from that idealism but if we're able to suppress it then we move towards a certain ideal so that is as far as yama is concerned okay so now we talk about uh, niyama so here i mentioned in fact ahimsa is the overriding principle okay now here we are in terms of uh, shaucha which is clear cleanliness there's a niyama that talk about cleanliness of course is the physical part and also trying to keep your mind you know clean which again is not that easy very difficult because you know your mind wants to pretty much take on uh, you know layers of of dirt but it's like that state of contentment which is really difficult again you know it's basically saying whatever you have try to be content in a, in a, in a time of extreme ambition unicorns are happening there uska you know so many lakh crores ka package ho raha hai you know when, when everything is telling us that your life is is really not that good if if you had that it will be better so we constantly be being pushed into directions of you know please get more and more but he says be content with whatever you have simple words really difficult okay again similar to minimalism which means try not to consume okay Uh, try your best to be a non-consumer if it is at all possible. Now, uh, for example, uh, my son just mentioned this to me the other day, uh, and I liked it. Like what he said, he said next year he's planned to buy only six things. I thought that was a pretty nice thing to say. Simple, effective. You know, that's a state of minimalism. I, I think that's good. Not buying stuff all the time. Amazon is coming to your home every day. Let's stop the thing. Okay. Self-study. Now, this is basically a more reflective, introverted, just uh, understanding of yourself and maybe some other profile. all this is mellowing your mind all this thing is making your mind soft smooth willing to accept more and more okay and because in the end he says surrender to ishwar ishwara pradhana it means assume that there is a power somewhere that is ultimate and knows for much more about what's going to happen to you than probably you know yourself this kind of again i'm using the word mellowing is is what are uh, these five things are what's called the niyama once you do all this or at least start the journey in these things in a conscious way you can possibly address start moving into asanas and which i made an earlier point now if you open a school of yoga and says chaliye i will teach you yama niyama and asanas the chances that people will show up at the school is pretty low because nobody wants to they tell it like like you know someone is preaching to you do this be a nice boy to well but this is yoga this is this is a requirement as far as patanjali is concerned i hope i answered your question yeah uh, and and the the point is that one of the key concepts which most people i don't think value is that the entire thing in uh, not only as per patanjali and you rightfully you use the jaina and buddhist examples even in jaina examples for example ahimsa obviously the jaina version of ahimsa is is white uh, i don't know what word to use i mean extreme is the wrong word no no but Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah start start mm-hmm. yeah very 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 difficult uh, mm-hmm. if i was to be very uh, try to mm-hmm. be very correct uh, is that you know the jainas say that it is ahimsa is not just not harming ahimsa is you should not have those thoughts in the brain itself mm-hmm. in the first place mm-hmm. that that is ahimsa you are not allowed to have those thoughts in your brain now that is a ahimsak person it's so it is like hardcore <laughs> i don't know how to say it. that is pacifism like you it are is, not allowed is. that is thought, thought word and deed i think patanjali yeah. also refer thought word and deed 
and if it comes it's something for us to reflect why did i say that to that person could i not have controlled myself and i, I, I can tell you i you know it's not that i'm I have an elevated soul now not at all i don't i probably won't be but what has changed kushal is in the analysis the immediate analysis of pretty much everything that i am doing now if i have to say something which is slightly harsh i'm able to look back and say i've said something harsh Dude, should I have said it? Now, will I become a greatly evolved soul subsequently? I don't know. But at least I'm reflecting on it. I think that itself is a, is a, is a big step. Otherwise, most of our actions are fairly mindless and responsive. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the role of the brain is... Would, would I be wrong in saying uh, in, in that for me, my extraction of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras was that the mind is the most powerful weapon I uh, and and how you control the mind is kind of the core essence of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras and, and everything is in that sense interconnected with your brain and the role the brain plays and the stream of consciousness. Don't you think that uh, that is the real focus that until unless you don't control that, you really cannot go into the next stage that Marshi Patanjali talks about? I think that's a fact, that's a fact. But but even, even trying to do it is difficult. That's what the idea of meditation ultimately is to try to Control it. Is your mind controlling you, or are you controlling the mind? That's just a thing. I think you want to get into that uh, that other part of, of of being impervious to any kind of uh, you know uh, of, of of stimulus. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. And everyone you speak to says that you know I'm, I'm, I'm my brain. I'm always thinking of hundreds of thoughts, thousands of thoughts. Well, yes, you are. So what are you going to do about it? Uh, you know. And therefore, these kinds of other things about yama niyama. And, and, and asana so on is intended to, to get, help you gain more control over this, this this mind right yes i agree the interconnections are all there but if if your mind you are able to like i said early example i gave any action you take any word you speak if you're now able to reflect almost immediately on whether that word was necessary whether that action was necessary i think that's a significant step forward in my opinion of of, of major self-control self-management perhaps yeah, because I remember, I think it was in the third uh, uh, part where eventually where we go into the state of uh, controlling, uh, if I remember self-control, right? And, and not just self-control, how Patanjali breaks it down is self-control or individual moments. Like they break down consciousness in a very Buddhist way to a stream of events. Indeed, in indeed. that sense, it, it, it's very much like how Buddhism looks at consciousness as it is moments and they are independent moments, but they seem all together. Exactly. They seem all together, just like the Buddhists do. And, and in that sense that you have to be in control of every individual moment. Now, like when somebody like me reads like that, it's like your first reaction, when I go, hey, karunga <laughs> no, it's, it, it's just a long laborious process and laborious is not a not a right word it is a long process if you are sensitive about time the other day somebody said you know uh, uh, i'm troubled by stuff will meditation help me and if i meditate will that problem be solved no i think i think that's that's not the point at all i think meditation is for itself right i presume and similarly these kinds of analysis is, is so profound that even wanting to fully grasp it and master it in, let's say, one reading or two readings, it's just not possible, Kushan. It's just not possible. Let me not pretend that, you know, one look at this page and you immediately understand the concept of time. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It requires, again, that mellowing, the softening of your mind, 
a kind of deep humility that needs to go deep, deeper and deeper where all these possibilities exist. I think this is this is this is my opinion. These are they're very constant. He talks about time, the stream of moments. He talks about something, a concept called samyama. To grasp samyama itself is a very challenging but beautiful experience. So then if I was to ask you this question, look, uh, you are on the Charvak podcast, full disclosure, I am a Charvak. Sure. Now, uh-huh. so let us talk about the last stage, which is Kaivalya, right? That That is right. the that is the ultimate stage right. in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras and or we can talk about Nirvikalpa Samadhi, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think how do we how do we map these experiences? Like a person like me, full disclosure, I, where I struggle with all of these things is, and and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying I'm open to be corrected. I, I, but but these experiences, right? Like how do we come up with an answer? Because even inside Hinduism, and in fact, a live viewer has also asked this question, saying that. Uh, in the state of nirvikalpa samadhi, the phenomenological evidence uh, is, uh, you know, is such that different darshanas give different answers. So, how do we actually come about and understand this situation? Well, along the way, he talks about dispassion. He talks about separating the, the you know, removing the ego from this whole process and so on and so forth. It's going to be very difficult. I think this passion the, to, to start imagining that the, whatever is happening to you is actually one major illusion could be one step forward, which is very difficult because we literally believe that whatever is happening is happening for, for our sake. I've written about it also. It's also, you know, ego says the entire world is the Natak which is being created just for me. So we need to, but to get there, you know, it's easy for me to say it. How do we get there? I don't know if I have a ready-made answer for you like that. I think it's, it's, a, it's a constant... Uh, you know, uh, just, but as long as you, you are aware, Patanjali has described a lovely state called Megha Dharma Samadhi. You may remember these words. It's one of the, the almost the very last sutra, three or four back, which he describes as a state when you're drenched in dharma. Okay, where all your klesha karma, all of those things are washed away, etc., etc. It's a really beautiful thought to be there. But I think it's very, very difficult to, to, to get there in, in a couple of days of reading and stuff. But like I said, I think dispassion and, and, and a desire to believe that all this stuff is happening because your ego wants it to happen. So where is that ego and can you control it is probably what he's talking about. And I think that's, that will probably help in, the, in that answer. But I don't think it's, it's a matter of a few days or a few weeks or months or years, perhaps lifetimes. All right. Now, in the fourth stage, now, again, that that is something, uh, again, I'm not expecting you to agree with me or anybody to agree with me. But I, if I remember correctly, again, it starts from psychic powers, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, yes. Not psychic powers, but uh, but he talks about, uh, uh, not drugs, he talks about aushadi. So, which is, is that, is that what you mean? I think you're talking so, about that. So, 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 let me tell you, he talks about aushadi. Now, do you think that Marishi Patanjali was also talking about psychedelics? I don't know. I'm just asking I, out of I, I, pure I curiosity. Know. I don't know. I, I, I think the fact of the matter is, it, and it is not only in our culture, not only in Hinduism, but a lot, everywhere, whether it's the so-called, you know, uh, uh, religions of Africa, South, South America, wherever it is, people have found that certain kinds of drugs does accelerate Natural drugs does actually rate there the process of understanding many, many things, right? And I think, I don't know, maybe you can be, but I, I don't think I'm anybody to challenge that. 
people have done it i mean if you go to rishikesh or the himalayas people are, are smoking pot and they're doing all these kinds of things who are we to impose our you know city bred values and say you know you cannot have this it's wrong on your part that doesn't make sense it seems to help them i might not do it because of my my own uh, restraints or prejudices or whatever it is i don't think i'm i would i would at any rate ask anybody to stop it if they really believe it's helping them in their patanjali says it he says it you know so who am i he says it can help he actually starts with line 1 of that fourth chapter yeah Yeah, yeah, the fourth one. It it literally starts with uh, this, and uh, you know, and this is where I I get reminded of uh, Terence McKenna. Uh, mm-hmm. He's no longer alive, and you know, his he had this whole. Uh, he always used to talk about the stone ape theory, like mm-hmm. he he always said the that the Homo sapien that we are today, um, maybe we accidentally consumed some, uh, and the the reason for the increase of our. brain uh, could have been ki humne accidentally uh, you know ye psychedelics or ye sab consume kar liye and that led to all these experiences and these things and uh, i don't know look there is no evidence for it i'll be full it's it's called i i should not call it a theory also i should call it the stone ape hypothesis because it's only hypothesis it's mm-hmm. not a theory because it can't be replicated but you know when when you read the yoga sutras and patanjali talking about all these things uh, like i i get where people get all these ideas from they must be reading all these texts too like people like terence mckenna must be reading the yoga sutras and and then then they must be like yeah this guy is like at least 2500 years old so even if he's 2500 years old and he's talking about these experiences and then uh, i mean now somebody can come back and say that's mckenna's bias and he is reading into patanjali uh and, uh, and uh, maybe patanjali did not mean to say that but like it's it's interesting stuff which which but, i but have always found fascinating and, and kushal uh, don't forget one thing he was also a master of ayurveda he knew about these things he had a vast knowledge about these matters itself so i don't think it was an off the cuff remark he obviously knew what he was talking about right he was i mean even today if you know you can go and get yourself treated for depression other kinds of things through ayurveda they they do give you these kinds of things maybe it's a different thing over here but again janma aushadhi mantra tapaha is is talked about this i think it's perfectly fine to accept it as very much part of our our cultural heritage we are other yoga sutras fair enough fair enough now now i'll start taking a few of uh, the live viewer questions for okay, sure, so that sure so do you know there are three or four questions so sure. the first one is apart from the yoga sutras themselves are are there genuinely good organizations that vasudev murthy ji can say we can go and you know not only learn the entire process but also they can maybe teach us the scriptures too yeah so there are two at least that i can speak of since you're specifically asking me and i i'm, I'm taking the liberty of 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 telling you one is of course svsa university in in bangalore uh, they have they've spent a tremendous amount of time uh you know it's a very very sophisticated organization i must say i know nobody over there but i'm aware of the reputation and it's a very very good reputation the other one uh, you know i have uh, actually the, the gentleman who had written the forward okay uh, bhavnani ji he runs an organization if you look at the book there actually address is written over here uh it's called um, i will tell you it's, it's written somewhere okay anyway uh, the, he he is yes here we are at the back of the book international center for yoga education and research in pondicherry okay they are doing some tremendous work over there and certainly between the two of them this is what i know i'm sure there are many more there's of course uh, one in bihar school uh, also 
but certainly these two, I can I can say I'm aware. I know people who have been there. Of course, I know uh, uh, Bhavnani ji very well. So there, I think the answer you can find the answers there. Thank you for the question. Fair enough. Now the next one is: Could we say that in Ashtanga Yoga, first four is conditioning, and last four is problem solving? Yeah, we could, but we can say anything we want to. It's, it's, it sounds like a good thing because again. It's you see the logical way in which he has prepared us. I mean, you can't simply start meditating, saying I'm going to start meditating and get into samadhi tomorrow. There's a whole preparation over there. So it's fair. I think it's 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 a if you want to put it in a modern term, that this 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 suits it. I don't see any objection to your your description. It's perfectly fine. Okay. The next one is uh, as far as ashta siddhi. Uh, could we say that the ashta siddhi is basically the ability of the mind of process? to understand and utilize reality hence the rishi being the one with the, uh, the so the, the rishi i guess is the one with the revelations or visions so is that what ashta siddhi means according to you okay. after your reading of the yoga sutras no i i, I don't think uh, i have understood the question i don't think i'll be able to answer that frankly i don't understand the question can you try to okay, can, you, can you try to rephrase it so i Did yeah i, I honestly yeah, I so I guess what they are saying is that uh, Ashta Siddhi. Do you do you think Ashta Siddhi is the ability of the mind to, uh, to uh, like to process, understand, and then experience reality? So is that what Ashta Siddhi is all about? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. So I think it's I would, I would prefer not to. All right. So okay, this one I guess we can say. Do you think yoga is be defined as the process of achieving peak human efficiency? Yes, sure. Why not? Because ultimately he talks about yoga in the sense of, uh, you know, merging with the infinite. And there's a description. Remember, uh, again, uh, it's line 27 or 28 in the, in the Samadhi Pada. He describes Ishwara as this perfect kind of person. So your point is right in terms of peak efficiency. I don't know which angle you're looking at it. But for example, he says he talks about, you know, uh, mental issues. He talks about physical disabilities. Everything is laid out in detail. As, as things that help that, that distract you from the path of yoga. So if you're able to control these distractions, then exactly your, you know, your sense of efficiency is far, far, far more. I mean, it's an interesting choice of words, I, 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 would, I would accept. But yes, as, as you start getting rid of imperfections, as, as you seem to start controlling and have fewer illnesses, for example, you're a better person uh, for, you know, in the way you conduct yourself, etc. So certainly you're coming to this, this idealized kind of, of, of efficient person. Yes, I would, I would, I like that. I like that uh, you know, analogy. All right. So this one is an interesting question. So someone has said, Vasudevji, how has your foray into understanding yoga sutras helped you in other aspects of, say, life, management, music? Yeah, yeah. So this is a very, very valid question. Uh, at, at first, I want to point out clearly that I, I, I don't have an ashram. I'm just an ordinary person. But however, that's yeah, yeah. exactly the point. Yeah. So it does. It What it does is it gives you a perspective. First of all, let's look at it like this. I am part of the heritage of this wonderful country. I have, I have received a piece of knowledge which is itself sobering and humbling. Okay, the whole process of reading the Yoga Sutra and understanding this is actually part of my cultural heritage makes me feel wonderful. You may think it's an insignificant point, but I had spoken to an American expert on yoga and that lady told me very specifically that, you know, things that you guys take for granted, 
we don't have this kind of a cultural heritage going back 2000 3000 years so that is that is that is the very first point now that is as far as you know a sense of you know happiness is concerned now in terms of dealing with people in being able to introduce another small delta difference between what is happening and a proposed reaction from my side which in the normal sense i wouldn't have thought a lot about it i would probably have responded as best as i could now i am able to think a little bit more and buying a little bit of more time and being a bit more measured again the issue of you know buying things by courier ordering stuff etc all that has gone down drastically really i'm embarrassed by all the clothes i have do i really need this stuff you know so these are questions that i go through i think it's a good thing i'm happy with it so okay so maybe this can be my last question to you so sure. when you did have this realization mm-hmm. so you know everybody goes to so i i'll i'll share an analogy of my personal experience please how bhagwan shri krishna changed my life so mm-hmm. when i read karmanne madhika vadikaraste mafaleshu kadachane for the first time as a kid i did not get it mm-hmm. so i i i have this habit of rereading the bhagavad gita again and again now okay. before people is like ye kaisa charvak hai bhagavad gita padhta hai well padhta hai abhi kya karega padhna padta so bhi so and i and i and i'm full disc- i don't look at shri krishna as a bhagwan in the real sense i look at him as the greatest philosopher one mm. of the greatest philosophers of india i don't look at and nor am i expecting others to look at shri krishna like i do but this is my understanding with shri krishna so i when i mm. read that book like it made me a very efficient human being in my life in in how mm. i look at goals how i set goals how i set my life so if i was to say to you when you went through this journey of reading the yoga sutras what is your biggest takeaway uh, like how did it did, were there any fundamental changes inside of you yeah there there's no doubt about it there, there, i mean i cannot deny there have been fundamental changes in me uh, but like i said the first thing is the react reactivity i mean i, I don't i don't know the right word being reactive has certainly reduced dramatically dramatically uh, that's the first thing uh, i in fact it happened in one of my classes uh, about a year ago right uh, a very unpleasant event happened where where a where a where a young man was very upset by something i said and he wanted to disagree violently i mean he was very upset and it, it was quite uncalled for i noticed i was watching myself that my response to that was not in the same way i actually heard him out i tried my best to you know be patient and gentle i'm not saying i'm not otherwise like that but people have considered me as a hyper person in the past That, that 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 is for sure and again this whole business of you know thinking carefully before uh, responding has increased a little bit for sure there's no doubt about it i i realize that if i say this just because it will temporarily suit my response that's a temporary small victory for that minute of time but there may be consequences later on so this kind of thought process has now started getting into my feeling that you know Uh, i need to think about it and any anything i say is this an expression of my ego do i need to do something about it you know this is all very difficult because after a lifetime of being taught that you know you must be a leader ye karna chahiye you must dominate you must take over suddenly we are asked to be exactly the opposite it's not not easy but i've been in the management consulting field where being this being the exact opposite is actually considered a mark of leadership so these are all contradictions that we have been fed in a diet but now we have been told that we shouldn't do it and we can do it with a lot of confidence 
to be humble is a nice thing. We must try. I, have I reached that? I'm not sure. But I think I see the path. Uh, it's promising. <laughs> All right. So, okay, before we wrap it up, maybe, you know, any last words or any last message that uh, you have for the viewers and listeners? Uh, you're addressing me. Yes. So, like, as I said, right, um, and I'm going to repeat this. I think Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is one of the great classical pillars of our culture, of, 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 of India, Bharat, Indic thought, whatever you want to call it. It is very profound. It's a great gift of India to, to humanity at, at, at large. And I think uh, at a time like this now where we have to get back to our roots and understand what it means to be a Bharatiya or a Bhakto, to be, to be Indian, I think getting in touch with our ancient uh, scriptures like this, etc., is, is really very important. For example, I'm interested in classical music also. So I, I would like to go back and find out, and I'm very interested, you know, in the Sikh Shabbats, you know, all the 30, 32, 33 uh, chapters and the different rags. So I think the richness of our culture uh, as exemplified, and this is just one example. Yoga Sutras is a very, very profound deep, but there are many others examples. Time is short. I think we really need to, uh, you know, appreciate how lucky we are to be born in where we are and absorb and consume all these beautiful gifts uh, that our ancients, ancients have given up. And the Yoga Sutras, I think, provide, uh, uh, provide a pathway for us to make corrections in our, in our lives if necessary. Uh, and, and, and have a kind of a framework to hold on to through life. I think that's what it is. Asana parts, yes, very good, good. Uh, you know, it's, it's fine, be healthy, etc. But the other, other seven of them, uh, seven angs, are also equally important. And I would, I would say that we, from, from the Yoga Sutra's point of view, all seven or seven, eight uh, of, of the angas should be studied. And this is a, a kind of a guidebook for living. I shouldn't show it over here, so I didn't mean to do that. But it, it's a it's a it's a guidebook for life, of, of what is our purpose, where have we come from, and where are we going. So these beautiful questions and the beautiful answers, I think, are, are available in the Yoga Sutras. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book, and you should show your book. It is about okay. your book, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, you know, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed reading this book. I had a great time. It was very easy to read, and and uh, like I said, I enjoyed reading it is because I had read the Yoga Sutras, and and it is always interesting uh, to read the Yoga Sutras and then read somebody else's uh, way of looking at the Yoga Sutras. So first of all, I congratulate you for for a fantastic Thank book, you. and uh, and and I look forward to you know. Uh, reading your next work whenever it comes out so so let's nice. uh, uh, I, I hope jaise aapne mere ko offline bataya tha wo aapki classical music ki part 2 aaye I, I hope that book comes out yaar aisi books aisi books aisi books padhne mein zyada maza aata hai so vasudev ji thanks a lot for coming on the charvak podcast it was an absolute thank pleasure talking wonderful talking to you thank you so much and thanks to everyone for taking the time to listen thank you all right, guys, we'll wrap today's podcast. But before we do, as always, in the description of the podcast, whether you are watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on Amazon, Audible, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, wherever, please go and click the link and buy the book. I have left the link uh, to buy the book uh, uh, in the description of the podcast itself. It is a wonderful read. And, and you know, it, look, uh, some, not everybody is Kushal Mehra. And... 
ऑप्शन If you are on Spotify, leave, uh, you know, read uh, or iTunes. You can follow me there and leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. Jaa pe bhi, jaa pe bhi ho. You can also support the Charvak podcast by becoming a member on YouTube, Fanmo, Patreon, and buy the merch. I will see you guys next time with another interesting conversation. Until then, namaste. Take care. Goodbye.